foolish mortals to the unwatchable Halloween special! <laughs> Welcome back to Unwatchable, you guys. My name is Chloe Rodriguez. I am your host. I am very excited for today's episode. It's our Halloween episode, and I have the most perfect guest in the world for talking about some spooky, scary movies, and that is Johnny Birch Told. Say hi to everyone. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> That is not my real laugh. Oh, it's the it's the ghost of Johnny Virgil. Oh my God! There's, there's someone here. Hello, <laughs> hi. Thank you, thank you so much for having me, especially on the Halloween episode. The only thing I could ever ask for. Excellent. I'm yeah. so excited to have you here. Um, I have been watching your comedy videos for a few months now. Um, I don't know how how would you classify your videos because they're yeah. not exactly sketch. Right. It's uh, so someone uh, put it very plainly to me one time when they were like, this is perfect observational comedy. And I didn't I didn't know that was a term. Mm -hmm. And I didn't realize that that is what I like to do in real life. So basically, uh, I'm a big movie fan. It's no surprise. Uh, And I love movie tropes. I think they're so funny. It's what makes movies movies. Um, And I love to make fun of them in (laughs) in an endearing way because I love them. Uh, so I like to play on movie tropes and, and act out, you know, the, how, how characters eat breakfast in the morning in a movie. And it's, of course, you know, they, they grab one banana out of the whole spread and, and leave. Or, you know, how, how the jock in a horror movie goes to check on the strange noise. Um, so it, it's sort of like movie tropes, a little observational comedy. It's just something fun I like to do in real life. So I was like, might as well start filming it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, it's it's a little bit of everything, but that's what I skew towards most. Yeah, yeah, it's it's very like nuanced uh, sure. tropes that, but it's nuanced in the sense that like everyone knows that these tropes exist, but like you don't really think about it until you watch your video and like someone's pointing right. it out, and you're like, oh my god, he nailed it. I do, yeah, <laughs> I do get a lot of comments that are like, yo, like I think about this every single time. Like, why don't they blah, 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 blah. Uh, or yeah, actors never do eat on camera, really. I'm like, well, yeah, like there's reasons, but like it, until someone's like pointing it out and then sometimes the occasional comment I'll get is like, I can't watch movies anymore because of your videos. <laughs> and I'm like, oh no, that was not my intention. Um, but yeah, it, it, I think, uh, yeah, character trips are really fun to, to act out, uh, especially when I'm being absurd about it, mm-hmm. uh, but playing it very real or, you know, whatever. And also, yeah, you're you're a good actor, so it it oh, <laughs> works very well because I could do I'm not a good actress at all. Come on. So I could I could write something that's like observational about those tropes, but I wouldn't be able to perform it in a way that does it justice. And I think that you can. So you like you well, can nail you. it. Uh yeah, and also, you know, like having a love for acting and pursuing acting, uh, this is it's just a creative outlet um that I get to you know do every once in a while um but it's it's fun we have fun and also because i'm a huge horror fan they always i tend to do a lot of horror movie tropes mm-hmm. which is you know a favorite for me you guys should definitely check out johnny's stuff um where can they find all of your videos yeah so uh i started posting them on my twitter account which i 
I'm a big Twitter addict. I don't post a lot, but I love to be on there. Um, so at Johnny Birchtold uh, on Instagram at Johnny Birchtold and on TikTok at Johnny underscore Birchtold because my name was already taken for some reason, <laughs> which is strange. Um, but yeah, those three are probably the, the most active that I'm on. Nice. You guys yeah. should definitely check them out. They're super funny. Um, and I'm really glad that I snagged you as a guest. Um, me too. The way that this happened is so funny to me. Essentially, I had been watching your stuff for a while. And then uh, I happened to have worked with uh, your then girlfriend, now fiance, Casey. And I was following her and she posted something with you in it. And I was like, oh my God, I think that's the guy from Twitter who I've been following. (laughs) And I was like, oh my God. And I like, I must have seen her post about you before and just never like put two and two together. Uh, Oh my goodness. Oh my God. Now's my chance. I got (laughs) to. Yeah. Well, when you reached out and I was like, Hey, Chloe, you know, she's like, Oh my God, Chloe. Because it's been, you guys worked together uh, a while ago now. Yeah. It's been years. Yeah. So that's, that's so funny. I'm happy that you reached out. You guys just got engaged. Congratulations. Thank you very much. And I saw, so it seems that you guys, I, I chose you for the horror episode because it seems that the both of you have a large affinity for Halloween, anything that's kind of spooky, uh, horror movies. That and the way, that you, the way that you proposed kind of ties into that. And I think sure. it's, has it gone like viral or it's just been it like- did. Yeah, It did. <laughs> uh, so it, it's just, it's very- it's so funny to us, but um, yeah, it, it kind of went into directions to the point where like Jamie Lee Curtis posted our Instagram or our uh, uh, proposal on Instagram, which that was just like the peak of our lives. And now we can just, you know, <laughs> say goodbye forever and not do anything ever again because we're all we're all set. But um, yeah, it, it did go viral. I think also it was the timing of like, all right, now we're getting into October and uh, and here's the quintessential October <laughs> proposal, I guess. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, if for those who don't know, uh, I proposed via pumpkin carving. Uh, <laughs> so it is something that we love to do, obviously, as big Halloween fans. Uh, but we have a special spot that we go and picnic at all the time. And it is um, in front of Laurie Strode's house from Halloween, uh, the character that Jamie Lee Curtis played in the movie Halloween. And, uh, and around there is where they filmed the movie. And down the street is the Michael Myers house. And so we go there all the time and we picnic. And uh, so this time we're going to go and you're going to carve pumpkins. We've never done that at this location. Uh, And I thought it'd be, you know, cute and whatever, you know, we'll, we'll ring and fall by doing this. And I said, okay, like you carve a pumpkin for me, I'll carve a pumpkin for you. And uh, I, that was the most important pumpkin carving I had ever done (laughs) in my life. And I was so scared to misspell Mary. Uh, but in the in the pumpkin, I I carved "Marry Me," uh, and also I think it's funny pointing out that like I didn't want her to see the pieces that I was carving, so uh-huh. like the M and the A, so I was like hoarding them next to me, and uh, she's like really focused on like the ghost that she was trying to carve, uh, and I like chugged a glass of wine, uh, <laughs> but when I 
turned it around, she actually laughed because I asked her to marry me all the time. So this was like no different. Mm-hmm. And then I like gave her a look and I was like, no, but for real this time. And she's just like, oh my God, what? It took <laughs> me like five minutes to get the ring out of my pocket. Uh, and then uh, we had one of our friends who's a photographer, you know, hiding in the bushes and taking pictures. <laughs> and uh, we kept some of the the intimate uh, personal ones to ourselves, but uh, we posted a couple on uh on Instagram and Twitter, whatever. And uh, we recreated one of the shots in the movie Halloween when Jamie Lee Curtis sits on like the ledge in front of her house with a pumpkin. Mm-hmm. So we recreated that and I posted it and um, it went viral. And then Jamie Lee Curtis posted it and was like, I love love. And I was like, we love you. <laughs> what? Uh, it was, yeah, it was overwhelming. and It was really fun. Um, and I think it was, you know, through all the tears and the snot and stuff, I think it was uh, the most, it was the most perfect engagement for us as two mm-hmm. people of Halloween. And, and it was fun. And we've been together for almost 11 years now. So it was like, well, you know, I think pumpkin carving was always special to us, but now I think it's solidified yeah. there. And then the big question was like, well, how do we keep this pumpkin alive? Uh, but because of LA heat, it died in like three days. So we didn't, get, get, we didn't get too far. Literally, I was like, I was like asking, scouring the internet, like, please, like anybody. And like, I had someone like, okay, we're going to do a, a um, ceramic casting. And then someone's like, no, vinegar. And I'm like, this is too overwhelming. And by the time I like, okay, I'm going to do this. I like look at it and it's like rotting. And I'm like, well, I'll last it. <laughs> but we got pictures of it. So it's, you know. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, and then we went to the uh, Michael Myers house after that, and you know, high on adrenaline, and we're like, <laughs> "Michael Myers, where are you? You're next." Yeah. Uh, what if your your photographer friend pops out of the bushes, but she's wearing the Michael? Dude, Myers I dress. you know, at one point in the in the thought process of how I'm gonna propose, I was like, we could do a shoot, and Michael Myers like comes in the background, and on his <laughs> knife in blood is, "Will you marry me?" And I was like. Okay, no, that's a little bit too much. That's so funny. Yeah. But that is, that's so adorable. Thank that you. seems like it's so perfect for you guys that I love that. Yeah, it was fun. It was definitely fun. And uh, we'll always remember it, so. And you couldn't have planned for uh, Jamie Lee Curtis to be involved Dude, either. That's that was, uh, <laughs> that man, that was just like a who, nail in the coffin. Like, we're good for the rest of our lives. We're done. <laughs> Are you ready to move on to talking about our list of our favorite slash just best horror movies? The movies that we love to watch during Halloween. And not Halloween. Yes. Year round. Year round. Uh, But these are are essentials during October. That's for sure. Exactly. Um, We each brought a list uh, tentatively of five We'll see. I know we have a, a matching one, so we'll yeah. see what happens with that. Um, would you like to go first? Or sure. Would you like me to go first? Uh, okay, here. I'll only go first, only because it ties into the last story. Okay. Go so, as you can imagine, Halloween is one of my favorite movies of all time. <laughs> uh, I will say Halloween 1 and 2, but Halloween, you know, the 1978, directed by John Carpenter, starring Jamie Lee Curtis and Donald Pleasance. It is, for me, it is the quintessential Halloween movie. It's in the title. Uh, That is one I watched, well, I'll say I watched most, actually all of these at a very young age, uh, Mm -hmm. and that's kind of where it all started. But uh, Halloween, when I hear the theme song, you know, the, oh, oh, man, I get jazzed. I'm like, I I listen to it in the car. 
we'll listen to it on the way to like a haunted house. And since there's no haunted houses open this year, we'll just listen to it at home. Um, but this movie it really does capture like that horror movie. It was also like one of the first like slashers and, and there's just something so scary about, you know, Michael Myers and that blank face and that he's just out there with the one mission and that's to kill. And it's something so spooky about that. Um, but the feeling of the movie is like, it, it's Halloween night. You get, you see the jack-o'-lanterns, you see the, you know, the trick-or-treaters. Uh, and it is, it's always been a constant in my life. That's, that's one I can watch all the time. Mm-hmm. And the second one too. I, I also love the second one equally as much. And that's when they introduced, you know, the whole sister brother storyline between Michael mm-hmm. Myers and, Jamie Lee Curtis, but I don't know. There's just something so classic. And so like, that is horror to me. That is horror movies to me, that movie. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I just watched that movie for the first time, actually, <gasps> this week, because I what? knew it was going to be on your list. <laughs> <laughs> How could you tell? <laughs> oh my um, God. So what did you think? I have to know then. Well, first off, I agree with you on the the music. I think music is such an important part of a horror movie just because yeah. it, I, I, so many scares come from the the tone of like the music that's yeah. playing in the scene. Uh, I think probably the most iconic uh, horror movie score. I would think um, so. Loved that. Um, I haven't seen like a young Jamie Lee Curtis in a lot of things. Oh. I, I've mostly seen like her newer things. So sure. I loved like, yeah, I, I just loved her in this movie. I think she's just like so charismatic. I just mm-hmm. think she's so like kind of like funny even. Yeah. Even though it's like she's a quirky movie. and yeah. Mm-hmm. And she too, like, she is the scream queen. Like she mm-hmm. is. And her mom is Janet Lee, who was you know, in uh, Psycho and killed in the shower. So she's, she's got that inner blood, you know, like yeah. the, the scream queen. But uh, d- around that time, I mean, right after Halloween, she proved herself to be that final girl in the horror movie. And she was in like every single horror movie after that. She was in mm-hmm. Prom Night, um, uh, Terror Train. Like she just became that, that person. So if you haven't seen, if you want to see more young Jamie mm-hmm. Lee Curtis, be scared and scream and be quirky and be hip and cool those movies yeah oh i should check those out yeah um i didn't see the second one so i what i thought was interesting was just by watching the first one i thought that it was cool that i could still enjoy it even though there wasn't a huge explanation of Mm -mm. motive or anything like that i think um so i have a lot of newer uh movies on my list and something that I think is present a lot in new horror kind of is people like to have an explanation for things sure. more and they like to have more of a motive uh, yeah. for their monsters or their villains. They, they like to have backstory now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that it was really nice that I could still enjoy the movie and not be like, well, what's going on with him? Like, yeah. what's, like, what's oh, this yeah. whole thing? Well, I think something that I noticed in a lot of movies around that time was that it became scary not to have a motive mm-hmm. uh, or when it wasn't as clear because the idea of just someone with a knife and all they want to do is kill and there's no explanation why. I mean, in the second one, they kind of give sort of an explanation as to why she, he's going after 
Laurie Strode, Jamie Lee Curtis's character. Mm-hmm. And that's because, well, spoiler alert, brother and sister. But then the new movies like forgot about that plot line. And they did that so many times throughout the franchise. But uh, uh, there, was, there was something unsettling about, for me, about why there, there was no why. Like, you know, and, and Donald Pleasant's character, like his therapist kind of says he's just, he has evil inside mm-hmm. like there's nothing in those eyes and that was like kind of creepy to me because i was like oh yeah michael myers could come to my house because he just wants to kill like they like mm-hmm. i don't have i'm not part of some like family bloodline or whatever or you know like where oh well that villain won't attack me because my mm-hmm. grandfather didn't put a curse on this you know like there was yeah. no motive other than he just wants to kill. And if you get in his way, you will die. And I was like, oh no, he's out there. He's coming. <laughs> I wonder if that's why uh, modern audiences like to have a motive. Like they like to have yeah. that barrier of like, I can enjoy this like spooky scariness, but also like, because I'm like separated by this motive or I'm not a part of this backstory. Like I know that I'm safe. Like, I wonder if that's a, a reason for why people feel like they need that. I feel like you could write an essay about that. That is a really interesting <laughs> idea because yeah, that makes sense. I mean, I remember reading something about Groundhog Day, not horror at all. I don't know. I guess it depends on how you look at it, but uh, there was like originally um, this whole plot line of the, reason he you've seen groundhog day i assume or know about ground so like the reason he got stuck in that time loop is because like a, a fortune teller like put a curse on him or whatever and they took that out of the movie because they were like well now everyone can relate to mm-hmm. being put in the situation you don't need to go to like a a witchy fortune teller to have this curse put on you like now anyone so i wonder like because there's definitely science there i feel like you you can yeah you always put yourself in in protagonist shoes because that's like what they try to do uh but yeah i think in a horror movie like if there's like some extreme motive or whatever and you're like oh well i'm safe here sitting in the seat (laughs) and i can enjoy it now um maybe that's why it became such like a i don't know spawned 75 sequels (laughs) there was a there was a new uh like a research what is it uh they did reboot. like a reboot right i don't know well, why i was thinking resurgence. technically a resurgence <laughs> uh i mean technically yeah uh there was in 2018 jamie lee curtis stepped back into laurie strode's character uh they pretended that everything after the first movie did not happen and so it was a direct sequel to the first movie uh and now they're coming out with two more movies mm. However, uh, yeah, they did that many times. Like, Jamie Lee Curtis had died in the franchise at one point. Spoiler alert. Uh, she had faked her death. She had moved to another state. Like, she, they did it all the time where they just, like, forgot this portion of the franchise happened, and we'll just continue from here. Um, my thing is, if we, can keep, if we can keep the spirit of Halloween, the movie, alive, then whatever. <laughs> yeah. it's been rebooted it's been redone it's been so many sequels but uh, i'm interested to see where it will go from here classic of classics uh mm-hmm. i love that uh michael myers also has the same name as actor mike myers <laughs> that was so confusing to me as a kid because like okay i knew michael myers first and then i was introduced to mike myers and i was like wait so the guy who does Sh- shrek's voice 
is supposed to be Michael Myers from Halloween. I'm like, what? That doesn't make sense. Arguably just as scary, you know? Oh, absolutely. Uh, absolutely, <laughs> I think. Um, yeah. Speaking of movies that have, like, a, a large franchise built around them, mm. uh, on my list, I have The Conjuring. Yes. Um, I'm going to lump in The Conjuring, uh, the 2013 original and the sequel that came out in 2016. Hmm. Um, but The Conjuring is very interesting because now they're trying to build like a cinematic universe. Oh yeah, they're trying it. to do the the Marvel thing. Yeah, I love. <laughs> I I'm all for it. So it's also tied in to uh, the three Annabelle movies. If you guys have seen those, I'm not going to include those on my list. I'll just talk about The Conjuring, but. It is part of a larger uh, mm -hmm. universe. And the um, <laughs> so directed by James Wan, uh, it is based on a true story about Ed and Lorraine Warren. Uh, again, kind of playing into the separation of the audience from the horror because we're not these people and it's based off of a true story. We were never involved. So mm -hmm. now we're untouchable in it. Um, the thing that I love about The Conjuring is that this isn't like, this is a very well done film. Uh, it oh, looks yeah. beautiful, first off. Uh, the cinematography is just amazing. I think that yeah. they, the, I think in the second one, which I just watched recently, there's like some shots that are like done on a tilt kind mm -hmm. of. So Little Dutch action. Yeah. So they, yeah. they play around with the different angles, which I think is great. Um, for me, what really stands out to me about The Conjuring is that I think it is very, very good at building that suspense. Um, oh, yeah. Obviously the biggest part of a scare is the build up to it. It's, it's almost like a joke where it's like the, there's the setup and then there's the payoff. Um, and I think that The Conjuring does that very well. There are some scares in both of those movies that just stick with me. Um, whether it's the first one with the woman on the dresser. Oh, like, dude, that's so scary. That one was so good. Oh. When she's, it tilts up and she's like perched on the, the witch mm -hmm. and she's perched on the dresser and she like leaps down. Yes. Oh my God. To me, like one of the scariest, like horror. Yeah. Movies, we're gonna say scares a thousand times in this, but <laughs> one of Take the best scares <laughs> I've seen in a horror movie. Um, there's like the hands that are coming out of the stairwell. That part is the clap. The oh, whole. so terrifying. So um, the second one has a really great payoff with um. Shoot, what part is it? Oh, when the she's painting? like painting. Oh, the painting too. Yeah, the, oh, that the one's nun, so good for me. Yeah. the nun that they introduce in the Conjuring Two. That's really freaky. Where you see her shadow like walking along the wall, and it's getting closer and closer to the painting of her, and you're like, "What mm -hmm. is going to happen when she gets there?" It's so good. Love that. Um, let's see. Sorry, I'm looking at my notes. Um, yeah. I think that I I am not personally an easy person to scare. When I was when I was watching these movies with people, they're all like freaked out and like huddled up and just waiting for what's going to happen. And I'll just be like chilling. I'm like, yeah. take your best shot. I'm uh -huh. very hard to scare. Um, and so the fact that these movies genuinely have like some moments that really freak me out, I'm like, that's A oh, plus yeah. work. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, 
if you're looking for something to actually scare you, I think this is like a perfect movie to watch with the lights off, uh, like on Halloween night. Oh, yeah. uh, if you're looking for a big scare factor, I just think that The Conjuring is perfect for this. Um, and I also think it's very interesting that, you know, there's elements that you see throughout all the movies. There's the the room in the Warren's house with all of the objects. And you can yep. even see Annabelle and her glass case in the background. Mm -hmm. uh, even though she's not a part of the movies, she's still like present in the movie. Um, they put the nun in The Conjuring 2, which later comes back in, I think- uh, The nun? Yeah, in the movie <laughs> yeah. that came out in 2018. Uh, so I love that there's like elements that you can see throughout the series, even yeah. just the part where it like will stop and it kind of introduces <sighs> like this, is, it's based on yeah. a true story. And this is the one that we're following uh, this time. I, <sighs> I love it. I love that. The intros to those movies are so good uh, with that yellow text and that like uh, that haunting score. It's so good. And, and I agree. I, I saw the conjuring in theaters with my family and I remember watching it and Casey and I, we were both like, oh my God, horror is back. But this is, <laughs> not that it ever left, but it, it was just like, it was a movie that did so well at the box office, like extremely well in mm -hmm. like a modern era um, that spawned obviously a Marvel Cinematic Universe basically, <laughs> uh, which I was so amped for. But also, yeah, it was directed by James Wan who did Insidious right before this. Mm -hmm. And I also love Insidious so much. And you can see that directing style like uh, come over into The Conjuring where it's just, yeah, like such interesting inspired like choices that really play upon the tension of the story and not just mm -hmm. like, well, we're just going to do this shot because it looks spooky. But like it actually like feeds into the story. And, and I think uh, The Conjuring takes place in the 70s, I believe. And there's a lot of like 70s style like cinematography. Like, oh, it's so good. It's so good. <laughs> And they do like a love story kind of too with the Warrens, yeah. especially in the second, like they focus a lot on their like marriage kind mm -hmm. of and like them together as a unit, which is great. Yeah, yeah, dude, they they really uh, brought in a lot of uh, like heart into those stories, which I think always works really well in horror because then mm -hmm. you care about, you know, the people. Yeah, definitely. Running from the killer or whatever it may be. <laughs> um, yeah, oh, Conjuring so good. Um, do you want to go next? Yeah, well, list? I'm interested. okay, so if we're talking about haunted house movies, my next movie is that, but on a bigger scale location-wise, so I'm talking about The Shining, uh, Stanley Kubrick, uh, 1980. It is often said to be, like, one of the best Kubrick movies and often said to be one of the best movies in general, like horror movies. Mm -hmm. Um, I also saw this at a very young age. It is. Wow, you were just diving in. Your parents just let you dive right into. Oh, let me tell you, <laughs> I've seen some movies that I should have not seen when I was a kid. Uh, I watched <laughs> The Exorcist at such a young age. It was, oh my God. but it was all me, like, kind of getting my parents to to cave in and take uh -huh. me to the store, and uh, we went through the entire horror section. And yeah, I think. I think it was good for my soul. I think it was good. Maybe the man I am today. Um, That's so funny because when I, like when I was four, I watched Gremlins and oh, I like, dude. I didn't sleep for like a week. Cause like Hilarious. I was the opposite. I was such a baby. That's so good. But see that, yeah, but then you can appreciate, you know, like when you're an adult that 
what's scary and what's not, you know? Um, <laughs> or maybe it scarred you for life. I don't know. Gremlins are scary. Uh, but The Shining was one, yeah, that I watched at a young age and have watched, I mean, all the time. It, it, it's, to me, there's something about it being so, it's, it's um, a slow burn type of horror movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously it's based off of Stephen King's novel, uh, which I have not read. And I know there are some differences, but in fact, like Stephen King is like infamously uh, a hater towards the Kubrick version, <laughs> which I find so interesting. And I'm like, well, I guess I should probably read the novel. But uh, Jack Torrance, you know, he takes this job where he's going to be the caretaker of this massive Overlook Hotel um, during the winter season, which is their off season. So him and his wife, Wendy, and their uh, kid, Danny, who's this little who rides on the tricycle, <laughs> famous images in the film. But uh, they're going to be the only ones in this massive hotel that is haunted. And uh, just shit goes down. He loses his mind. Uh, crazy shit happens. Crazy imagery. There's these two twins that show up and they're like, come play with us. And I'm like, don't go play with them. Uh, it's just the most, one of the most unsettling movies I've ever seen because one, the score, I'm going to talk about score a lot because I do love music and horror movies, but the score is so like, it makes you sweat. I, I remember showing Casey this movie for the first time, maybe like five years ago. And it was like one of the greatest moments of my life getting to show her this movie for the first time. And she was at the edge of her seat for like the two and a half hours that this movie is <laughs> sweating because she was so stressed out because I mean, you just see the slow descent of a, of a man's mind and mm-hmm. the effects it's having on his family. And you're so scared for the family and you don't know what he's going to do. Um, it's just, it's bonkers. This movie it's obviously, I mean, there's a reason it's like one of like a favorited movie among a lot of people, but um, there's that something scary about like losing your mind. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when you throw on like a haunted hotel on top of that, then like, you know, you're done for, but <laughs> there's like that, there's that moment um, when like he's going there to work on a novel. So this, this whole time he's taking care of the hotel, he's, he's going to work on his novel and you see him all the time on his typewriter and there's a moment in the movie when Wendy uh, comes in and he's not there and she gets a chance to see what he's been writing all this time. And he's just writing the same line, all work and no play makes Jack a dull boy over and over and over again. And I'm like, oh my God, like, what would you do in that situation? Like this man is losing his mind and now I am trapped in a snowstorm with this guy and he's going to kill my kid. Um, yeah, dude, it's just so unsettling. and so. I could I could talk about this movie for hours because the movie is so there's so much to it, um, and then of course what Halloween Horror Nights at Universal Studios did a a maze a haunted house mm-hmm. based off of The Shining, and it was just like key iconic scenes from the movie. Yeah. Uh, obviously the here's Johnny scene and everything, and I was like, this is everything I love. <laughs> um, have you seen The Shining? Unfortunately, this <gasps> is one of the only ones on your list that I haven't no. seen. I was going to watch it. Uh, for this podcast, I didn't think it was going to be on your list, but I just thought it might be something I sure. could watch. And I didn't have time to. Uh, no, so I just spoiled so much for it. Well, I actually well, didn't spoil too much. Not really, just... because these are all, like, what you're describing is all classic stuff that I've yeah. seen. So even though I haven't seen the movie, per se, I've seen, like, obviously these are 
such iconic scenes that like you see them referenced in so much of the, course the twins in the hallway the all work and no play makes jack a dull boy him yeah. going through the door like the these are all things that i've seen before but i just haven't right. actually seen in this movie it's also like sort of one of those things where it has so many iconic scenes that like for a while you think that you have seen the movie because yeah. like you've seen like the key whatever um but no you have to at least watch it once i i just think it's such like a it's a stressful movie so good luck <laughs> when you watch it but uh yeah it's 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 such a beautiful movie too it it's just oh man it's so good it's so good i have seen the simpsons uh oh, yeah. take on it i've seen the shinning just <laughs> the like... shinning no <laughs> So oh maybe I, I feel like I have. You basically have seen it. You basically yeah. have seen it. It's Kubrick esque, you know. Yeah, for sure, for sure. <laughs> I have Get Out on my list. Oh man. Um, yep, sweat, sweaty. I was sweaty yeah, watching that, that one too. That is sweaty. Well, I was gonna say, speaking of like big directorial films, Ooh, I mean, yeah. I don't really know what to say about Get Out that hasn't already been said, but sure. I'll give it a try. <laughs> um, so Get Out came out in uh, 2017 directed by Jordan Peele. Um, this was his huge directorial debut and- Changed his whole career. Really, and kind of established him as like the biggest name in horror right now. Absolutely, He followed Absolutely. it up with Us. Um, I don't think he, has he put out a third movie yet? Or you think he's Not in yet, but he has attached his name. I mean, he's produced uh, the new Twilight, re uh, Twilight Zone reboot, mm -hmm. uh, the new Candyman reboot. So he, his name is on all of these like beloved horror franchises. And thank mm -hmm. God, because I'm like, okay, it's in good hands, first yes. of all. But yeah, so uh, he has not put out his third feature yet. Um, we don't we don't know too much about it. <laughs> I but, I mean I trust him on whatever he wants to do yeah. now. Um, I think not only am I attracted to this movie just because of just how brilliant it is, but I also really like that it's coming from someone who is from comedy. Um, oh yeah. I think that comedy and comedians are just so overlooked when it comes to uh, any film. other genre. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, Com comedy movies are never nominated for best picture. I think they're kind of like looked at as Same like, kind of, yeah, it's just something fun. Yeah. But, but comedy is extremely hard to do and you have to be very smart to do it well. And I think that Jordan Peele kind of proves that by going into the horror genre. Yeah. Well, um, I mean, when you think about it, like, the, you said it already, it's the same mm -hmm. as a joke setup. It's the same exact thing for horror. It's all about mm -hmm. timing. And if you know good comedic timing, that can so clearly translate into good horror timing. It's a, it, mm -hmm. it really is all about the suspense and the buildup and all of those things are found in a joke. Um, yeah, everything is build up, build up, build up, and then release of tension, yeah. whether that's a joke or finally getting that big scare. Um, mm -hmm. And I, I'm hoping that the fact that we have so, you know, someone from Key and Peele, he did sketch comedy. He and uh, Keegan-Michael Key also did uh, comedy films together. I'm hoping that the fact that he has been able to transfer those skills into something that was so critically acclaimed, I mean, nominated mm -hmm. for Best Picture, won for uh, Best Original Screenplay at the 90th Academy Awards. 
I'm really hoping that that also makes people take comedy a little bit more seriously because they can see the parallels in skills. Um, Yeah, I know for sure. Um, And also too, like this was, this movie too, it was so well-written and not only because it was such a product of its time too, like that could live on for so long. Mm -hmm. Um, But when you watch the movie for the first time, you, you see it uh, from one perspective and you're like so stressed out because you're following, you know, the protagonist. When you watch it on the second time, it's like a whole other movie because mm-hmm. you see everything. Now you're picking up on all the things that, you know, the uh, the antagonists have set up, but but now you can see it from their angle and you're mm-hmm. like, oh my God, like it was, they were being so clear about their intentions this whole time. And like, I didn't even yeah. realize that I saw it a couple times in theaters. And that second time I was like, whoa, this, mm-hmm. I was like, the writing is so smart and so clever Mm -hmm. um and also just yeah scary there's so much symbolism that Mm -hmm. you can't even catch it on the first watch um and i think what you're saying about kind of like the the way that the antagonists have set themselves up i think that's something that makes this movie even scarier because unfortunately it kind of reveals something about society um Mm -hmm. I I read um, a Variety article Mm -hmm. um, where they were talking about how, you know, instead of making the antagonists these, like, rednecks from, like, the South, like, what you would, what the The, stereotype of of maybe, like, a a racist, they made them, you know, middle-class, white suburbans. Liberal, very, yeah. Yeah, it's just a great reflection. I, I think Jordan Peele said it best when he was saying that he wanted to pull from this like Obama era kind of ideal that maybe uh, that like being black in America was actually an advantage now. And his perspective as a black man is, well, no, it's not. No, but yeah. people think because like I, there's a line in the movie even where the guy's like, oh, I would have voted for voted. Obama a third time. The very famous God, line. so uh, famous to the audience. <laughs> in the theater just laughed i was like this is uh jordan peele i love you everybody knows someone who's like that where they're Mm -hmm. they're putting themselves on a pedestal of like i'm so accepted i'm so open-minded like i could do nothing wrong and i I just think that makes it even scarier in addition to obviously the wonderful scary scenes the part where i forget if he's like if he's looking out the window or if he's like walking outside and that guy just runs it's like sprinting towards him yes that's that and even like <laughs> oh god uh the sunken place the know? sunken place the, um even like betty gabriel's uh um moment when she's talking to when when he's saying like um he's telling her or asking her like you know is this like a bad place or whatever it was worded a lot better than that and she's like no 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 and she starts to cry and like that moment where it's like there's no jump scare or anything, but there was like so many moments in the movie where I was like, this is like scary. Like if you were in this situation, like I can only imagine, but like, uh, like this is scary. Like sometimes you don't need jump scares. Sometimes you just need like a really tense scene mm-hmm. for it to be scary. And that like this movie, the whole tea stirring scene, the hypnosis scene. I mean, it's just so unsettling. Yeah. I think this is, quintessential psychological horror um if you guys have not seen this movie i've like obviously we won't spoil the whole ending or anything like Mm -hmm. that but highly highly recommend that you guys watch it i think it's so important uh 
and it's just so scary. Um, yeah. And it's, 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 it nails it on the social commentary and it nails it on the horror mm-hmm. movie uh, level. Just amazing. Just amazing. Jordan Peele. <laughs> More horror, please. Yes. All the time. It's really hard to follow up with Get Out. I will say that because now I'm going into the Blair Witch Project. Oh, no problem. Uh, the 1999, uh, Eduardo Sanchez and Daniel uh, Myrick, they, they made this movie. Uh, speaking of product of the time, it was the first movie to really utilize the internet as a marketing tactic. Mm-hmm. Um, so for those who have not seen it, Blair Witch Project is the found footage movie. It is like the one that like kicked it all off. Mm-hmm. Um, it's about these three uh, film students who go into the, the woods, the forest of Burkittsville uh, to do a documentary about the supposed Blair Witch that like haunts the grounds of the forest. And they end up getting lost in the woods and hunted by said Blair Witch or whatever it may be. Um, this movie, it, people are always like, oh, that's one of your favorite horror movies. And I'm like, well, yeah. For, so, for one reason in particular, it, in that it is so nostalgic to me that mm-hmm. I put this movie on all the time, just in the background of my day. There's something so comforting <laughs> about this movie, which to say that about the Blair Witch Project, which is this like horrifying like descent into, you know, insanity. Um, it, it is filmed like you were watching somebody's VHS footage that you like found in an attic. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the performances are so raw and real and when you find out how they actually film the movie on the smallest budget uh, where they, you know, they sent the actors out there, they fed them less and less every day. So they'd like naturally get more angry. Um, and they filmed it so uh, as real as possible where, you know, they tell the actors like, okay, you're going to be sleeping in the tent, but they wouldn't tell them what they find in the tent when they woke up the next morning. Uh, so oh, a lot of it was, yeah, a lot of it was very like on the fly and, um, the actors were unaware of what they were doing, but they just had to improv their way through everything. And it really was uh, this massive thing when it came out because they made this big website about how these three documentary filmmakers disappeared. And it was like this whole legend of like, learn about the Blair Witch, learn about what happened uh, to these three. Uh, the actors went on hiatus from the public. Well, they were also unknowns, but they, they disappeared and they used their real names. So like uh, 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 Heather, the, uh, the one of the documentary filmmakers in the movie, her actual mom got all these phone calls like, I'm so sorry about your daughter because they put up flyers, like missing flyers all over the oh town. And, and word got on and, and then it got into maybe Sundance, I think, I forget. But so many people thought this movie was real. And I'm like, oh my God, how cool. It's so hard to do that now. But like, Mm -hmm. it was like, yeah, the first time that like they really use the internet to its advantage because the internet, like it caught on like wildfire. Um, And even though, and you said you've seen the Blair Witch Project, Mm -hmm. right? Even though a lot of people would argue that like, oh, well, like you don't see anything, like nothing, nothing scary happens. And I'm like, I think everything that they set up and they're not showing on camera and everything that they put into your mind is scarier, way scarier than what they could ever show. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's where the fear comes from because like there's even this moment when Heather's like sprinting through the woods, it is pitch black out and she's screaming. She stops and she screams, what is that? What the fuck is that? And you never see it. And 
that moment in that movie has always stuck with me because I'm like, what the fuck did she see? <laughs> what was it? And had they showed it, then I'd be like, oh, it was that. And I could make the like the assumption of like, oh, that, well, that's not that scary. Or maybe mm-hmm. it is very scary. But like, it, your imagination will always be scarier, I think. Yeah. Uh, so it's like, I think that movie was very much like less is more um, for me. And also I like the, the pretty fall colors of the trees. <laughs> and that's why it's like, I, wa- I have to watch it every October on repeat because it's just like, it looks like fall there. And now I live in Los Angeles where I don't get that anymore. So yeah. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. I don't know. And then, so like it spawned like the found footage genre and then mm-hmm. of course, paranormal activity, uh, you know, re-energized that genre, but it really was like this big thing. And it was like one of the highest grossing movies of all time mm-hmm. for a while. And I'm like, hell yeah. This like indie ass, it made so much money because it was made on like ugh, nothing. I forget the number. It's either 14,000 or like 40,000 or somewhere in between. I forget, but I mean, uh, either way, that's nothing either way. That's nothing a movie at all. So I'm just like, good for them. I'm so glad that you had this on your list because it's actually the first horror movie that I ever saw. No way. Yeah, it was. Oh my God. I obviously, I didn't see it when it came out, obviously. I was too young. Um, But I saw it in high school. Yeah. And to me, it was a great intro uh, horror movie because like I said, I'm kind of a baby. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So. Were you, whoever was showing you that movie, did they tell you that it was a, a real movie like that it was real no they didn't okay. like set it up with any kind of uh, okay. <laughs> like because that became the they thing of like, like watch it. that became the thing of like if you're gonna watch it with someone that person who is showing you is always gonna tell you that it was real because like when i was a kid uh i had someone walk in as i was watching the movie and was like you know this is real you know this really happened and i was like what until i get to the credits and i'm like but there's credits in here <laughs> director what that doesn't make sense but a lot of people did not stay for the credits and a lot of people really did think it was real i didn't know all of that background that's yeah amazing that so makes me crazy like right more i think maybe the reason people are surprised when you say it's your favorite is because i think when something kind of kicks off a style um that's then like replicated a lot I think people tend to, for some reason, kind yeah. of start to hate the original, um, or at least have some kind of like, oh, we've seen all of this. Uh, sure. Like, have like maybe like a little bit of contempt for it or something. Well, that's um, even like with uh, so how Paranormal Activity brought back the found footage genre, and mm-hmm. every movie after that was like found footage. But when you watch the original Paranormal Activity, there's a reason it spawned all of that because it was so good. It was but now effective. people shit on it all the time. And now people shit on it. But like, we just watched it the other day and I've always loved that movie, but I was like, mm-hmm. this is so good. This is so scary. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's so easy to like shit on it because like at some point it becomes like a joke, of course, mm-hmm. but there's a reason it became all this, you know? Oh, so. yeah. I mean, I had even, I had even heard about it before I saw it. Like it's, it's so famous i mean just the name of it is great the blair witch project come on it's like so good but also just like the shots of like just like the uh the shots of like them crying into the camera the iconic like when she's like her snot is like dripping down on the lid (laughs) she's like she's like to my mom i'm so sorry i'm like oh come on this is like horror gold it became like that that was like the shot of the movie um oh yeah so good so good. 
I, I love that you put that on your list. Good. Um, something that I think, something on my list that I think kind of ties into the Blair Witch Project pretty well is the movie It Follows. Yes. Um, because like the Blair Witch Project is very scary without having like a lot of jump scares and stuff or like visuals, that. Visuals, yeah. And and it follows is kind of the same way. There are mm-hmm. visuals, but this isn't like this isn't like a super gory film. It's not based around gore. It's it has like a few not even jump scares. It has like some definite scares in it. Yeah. But it is very much a psychological horror. Mm-hmm. Um I think that's a theme on my list because I'm not super into gore. Yeah. Uh so what I love about this movie came out in 2014. It was written and directed by David Robert Mitchell. Um, and the premise of it is pretty simple. Essentially, there's this entity that's passed down um, from person to person. You have to have like sex with someone else and then the entity will start following them. Once that person is like killed it's off- It's like then a cursed start- STD. Yeah, it'll start like following you until it's trying to basically track through like to whoever is spread yeah. first. Um, so it's a pretty simple premise. I love that it plays on kind of this obsession that horror movies kind of have with like teenage sex. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah, it's a staple. Yeah, I think that it's kind of funny that, or I, I think it's creative actually that they based like a whole movie around this. Yeah. Um. And what I love is that um, there's, even though there's not a lot of huge scares, there's always that element of suspense because you never, like, I felt like I, as the audience member, was constantly looking in the background, constantly aware of, like, the ticking timeline of that. It's constantly, like, making its way towards you. It's always walking towards you. Exactly. And in that way, I kind of felt, like, as an audience member, that I was the one being followed by the entity because I'm the one who's on the lookout the whole time. So there are these stakes and these this suspense even without having to play onto the usual horror tropes of like, oh, she opened the closet and you think something's right. going to be there, but there's not. Like, Well, it, I think the premise alone sets up the suspense for the entire movie. You're right. Like, any, any character who has the thing, who has the curse or whatever, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter what they're doing, you know that the entity is always walking towards them. Yeah. So you have the what is it, the Alfred Hitchcock theory of, like, the bomb under the table thing? Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, it's Yeah, 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 where, like, okay, you can have two people sitting at a table and talking, but if the audience knows that there's a bomb underneath the table, the stakes are raised, mm-hmm. and the suspense is there. That This whole movie is that, because yeah. as long as you have it, like, there's always someone walking toward... If they're, like, sitting, I'm like, get up, keep walking, like, stop dilly-dallying, you know? Like, it's it's always coming for you. Um, yeah, there's is, that scene where so they're effective. just like they're like just chilling on the beach and like we yeah. can see the thing walking towards her and she's not turning around. And I'm just like, you idiot. Like if I was Get the one being followed up. by something, I would never just be chilling on the beach. No, like I full gas tank, I'm always on the road. Exactly. Um, this movie had first of all, talking about score, incredible score. Oh, absolutely. But one of the best scares I had seen recently, especially when we, Casey and I saw it in theaters. I have never heard her scream like that. It's the moment when 
so we're in her house, Micah Monroe's house, and she like runs up because she encountered the the it in mm-hmm. the kitchen. She runs up in her bedroom, and she's so scared and she's crying. And like, there's a knock on her bedroom door, and she's like, "Who who is it?" Blah, blah, blah. And it's it's like the friend on the other side, and she's like, "It's mm-hmm. just me." And they open the door, and it is just the friend. And you think it's one of those like, "Oh, okay, we're all safe." And then the tallest man I have ever seen. <laughs> walks out behind her but the, the way it's not even an like NBA a jump player. scare literally an <laughs> nba player walks out from behind her out of the darkness uh, and and there's something it's like not even like a hard jump scare it's like he just walks out and it is so scary and casey jumped out of her seat i was like yes this is yeah. this is cool i wrote that down as my favorite oh my god the movie. See, <laughs> it's uh, so good um yeah and it was like an original horror movie mm-hmm. uh, it was not a sequel it was not a it was an original indie horror, horror movie with a really cool premise. Um, I'm so happy that it got the acclaim that it did because it was like so cool. I also really like that um, that they're characters that are kind of written realistically for their age. Yeah. Um, even their plan at the end is very like, I, I think there, there was a, an interview with uh, the writer and director I forget where it was that I read it, but he was saying that like he purposefully wrote the the plan at the end, which I will not spoil for you guys. Mm-hmm. But their plan at the end is very like Scooby Doo esque. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of something that you would come up with as a teenager. Yeah. Um, and it was never designed to be like this foolproof plan. There was never this design to have like clues dropped that they unravel to figure out how to defeat this monster. Right. Um, because I always think about that when I'm when I'm watching a, a horror movie that kind of has like an element of mystery to it yeah. and there'll be this character that's like, oh my God, this pencil that was left behind the, by like, the monster and then they unravel. The monster's afraid of lead. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. I love it. They're like, this is, wait, this is old man Winkle's sock. Wait a second. He doesn't wear socks. Only the slime monster wears socks. <laughs> yeah, and it like, we have to go to the sock store and it's like what <laughs> yeah, that's the that's this i do love that shit in movies so much but at the same time it's like it's refreshing not to have that it's very <laughs> national treasure-esque literally that's but yeah. whenever i watch those things i'm like dude i would never get that like I, like maybe i'm stupid but like i would legit never catch that in real life so dude. i love that in real life they don't like catch on to anything yeah if there are clues dropped then it's like nothing that we would ever notice. Right. So right. Like, therefore they don't notice them. Right. Um, and also just a side note, if you guys are interested, there is this cool New York times video on YouTube that I saw. It's like a two minute long commentary that's done um, by the director on like the opening scene, which is pretty mm. cool. He talks about how um, it's open. So the movie opens with this girl running out of her house, like screaming. We don't really know what she's running from. Um, And she's kind of in like pajamas, but she's inexplicably wearing heels. Yeah. Uh, And in the commentary, which I didn't even catch the first time, but in the commentary, he's talking about how he kind of um, chose to do that to kind of play onto this like damsel in distress kind of trope that you see in a lot of horror Mm -hmm. movies. Um, And then lastly, I also found this cool interview with him where I I think what a lot of people say is that it's kind of like an STD film where it's about like it's like an anti-sex film kind of because that's how this entity is passed on 
but he was talking about how it, it's not supposed to be like it wasn't written to be like an std it, film yeah or like, like anti-sex anti yeah yeah um he just was trying to think of an interesting way basically to have this entity passed on to people um and just in the way that you can contract it through sex you can also free yourself from it by having sex with a new person yeah but that um, gives them the the curse as well so that's why i think it was so good because okay you get it through sex but if you don't want to die you have to give it to someone else and now they have to go no through everything that you've been exactly so it's like it creates a lot of really good like emotional like character depth because mm -hmm. like well, how, what do i do who do i give it to do i give it to do i just accept if i let myself die then it goes back to the other person yeah. so it's like a lot of moral battles there you know oh i'm a terrible person like the whole time i was like dude have just sex with like I was like, have sex with like a hundred people. Every it increases your chance of like for them sure. also passing it up. Maybe I'm for a terrible sure. person, but the whole time I was like, why You're a is smart she not person. fucking everyone? <laughs> <laughs> it was like, here's your. There was, do there was it. a lot of yeah. There was definitely a lot of uh, options for her. I think. Uh, yeah, you can. <laughs> hmm. That shows you my moral compass. I was like, no, you you're pass smart. this on, girl. <laughs> you would survive the film, basically. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> um, oh, my God. Yeah, dude. Great movie. Great <laughs> score. I love that score. Um, I have two more on my list, one of which is a movie that we both share. Mm -hmm. um, all right, so we're getting into the nitty-gritty. We each have two more, but our last one is a joint choice mm -hmm. so uh what is the next on your list okay so like i expressed this was really 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 hard uh when you ask a horror fan what their favorite horror movies are it's very hard um so to compile a list of five roughly five it's very hard um i'm going to do uh i'm gonna pick this movie because it follows up into our shared one mm -hmm. um but this is also a staple for me in my life i'm wearing a hat with the title on it right now i think yeah yeah you're dressed uh, so that's, for the part <laughs> i'm always dressed i'm like always a walking movie poster i got what friday the 13th on my shirt yep. and uh so so my next movie is a nightmare on elm street 1984 west craven Excellent. may he rest in peace um i love west craven um but a nightmare on elm street for me it was that one movie that like having gotten into like the history of horror and slashers and and clearly i like slasher movies um psychological is also my other favorite subgenre but um this movie is what kicked up the slasher genre for me because like you had leatherface in texas chainsaw massacre you had uh you know michael myers in halloween and these were like people but freddy krueger is a slasher like he's like a serial killer but he does it in your dreams. So he's like mm -hmm. one of the first like supernatural slasher films. And, and because he can do it in your dreams, like just think about the most batshit crazy dream you've ever had nightmare, um, like crazy, anything could happen in your dreams. So like the mm -hmm. kills were really, really cool and innovative, but also I could see why it terrified a lot of people because it's like, you're, everyone has to sleep that mm -hmm. night. You have to go to sleep and Freddy Krueger can come and kill you. So basically, it's about, you know, uh, for those who have not seen A Nightmare on Elm Street. Um, uh, what are you doing? What are you off? doing, first of all? Um, <laughs> but the, the kids of uh, Elm Street, they're having these crazy nightmares about this guy. 
He's like burned head to toe. He's got this like red and green sweater on. He wears a fedora hat. Uh, and he has, it's great, yes, great choice. Yeah. Um, and he has this glove of knives and uh, he, he stalks you in your dreams until he eventually kills you, which kills you in real life. Um, and so they have to figure out how to defeat this dream monster, this dream demon. Um, and it just creates for this like insane adventure. And it was 1984. It was like the 80s. It was like the year of cinema. Um, and it and it's obviously spawned so many sequels. Um, but the kills are so cool. And um, Freddy Krueger is just before they turned him into this like cartoon. In that first movie, he... <laughs> He really was scary. Like he had this attitude. He was also one of the first like slasher serial killers that like had an attitude and talked to you and and like called you bitch all the time. Like he he, <laughs> he like had these like crazy one-liners and he just became this character of its own. Uh, whereas like Jason Voorhees and Michael Myers, they don't say a word. Freddy Krueger cannot shut the fuck up. And yeah, he I also watched this one at a very, very young age. And and then of course they like took the franchise and did some crazy, crazy it. shit with it. Yeah. And then, of course, Freddy versus Jason. They just, like, they did it all. Yeah. But, um, this was Wes Craven's, like, first horror movie, I believe. And it really set himself up to be, like, a horror legend uh, mm -hmm. in terms of, like, horror directors. Um, it's, it's such a fun movie and a staple during Halloween, of course. What stands out to me uh, is the practical effects. Yeah. I think um, I think while a lot of my list does skew towards newer movies, and I really do like new horror because I think you can use uh, you know more modern special effects to increase the the scare factor. Mm -hmm. I, I guess <laughs> the yeah. scare units. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I do really appreciate practical effects, and yeah. I think. Um, I think sometimes old horror movies kind of get a bad rep because for people our age who are used to movies that have these like groundbreaking visuals mm -hmm. and CGI and all of this stuff, I think sometimes uh, older movies can come across as being like a little cheesy. cheesy yeah. Um, but I am so enamored with a good practical effect, even if it's not scary to me per no. se. I just love trying to figure out like, Ooh, how they how did, did it they do that like that's great. and at least appreciate the craft too mm -hmm. of it all and i never know shoots a great um a great example of that too because they did they really explored with a lot of different like mediums they did like stop motion in a couple of them like claymation they did like mm -hmm. uh 2d art like at one point in the franchise like some guy gets sucked into like his own drawing and like is now like paper and <laughs> again they just did crazy shit but uh but yeah i mean freddy krueger especially the makeup on him Mm -hmm. um, and he's always like cutting off his fingers to like show off and shit and it's all practical and you have to appreciate it, you know, because mm -hmm. it takes a lot of uh, brain work to figure out how to pull off a good effect, even if it is like cheesy looking. Yeah, I, I think even if it's, even if it doesn't scare you, I think you can still appreciate the art of it. Yeah. Um, and you kind of have to put yourself in the shoes of somebody who's watching it at the time. Yeah, where yeah, yeah. They, didn't ha they weren't used to all of these effects and all of the, like, things weren't like CGI. Like they, right. and also they hadn't seen all of these scares before. So they're coming into it 
genuinely being freaked out by yeah. the premise even yeah. um and even like because of the premises like it's in your dreams they could come up with such incredible set pieces too like mm-hmm. the iconic uh johnny depp being sucked through the bed kind of spoiler mm-hmm. alert but like uh like the kills where like she's like being slashed on the ceiling and when you mm-hmm. learn about how they like film that where like they had an entire room that was like on a rotator and so she they were just like turning the room upside down and then you know everyone was like enthralled with that in, in when they did that in inception but i'm like uh nightmare on the street was totally ahead of <laughs> i think sometimes a good practical effect elevates something from like a movie effect to like art yeah and i think that's sure. a great example i think this movie is just a great example of that um if you guys want to watch like classic horror Highly recommend Nightmare mm-hmm. on Elm Street. Mm-hmm. That's a great choice. Thank you. We have two more movies to talk about. Um, one on my list that I have been dying to talk about, probably like, oh, it's so hard for me to choose between this movie and then the movie that we're about to talk about as mm. my all-time favorite. Um, but I chose It. The, mm-hmm. the modern it. I know that there's uh, one with Tim Curry. I'm going for the 2017 film directed by Andy Muschietti. Um, and I'll, I'll include it chapter two. I believe that one came out in 2019. Yeah. Um, I'll include that just because it is like a part one and part two storyline, but I prefer the first movie. Um, Talk about blockbuster horror. Absolutely. Um, I think, I don't know where to start. I have such a soft spot for this franchise. I was not expecting to be as into this film as I ended up being. Um, I hadn't seen that many Stephen King adaptations and I didn't really know what to expect, but I just absolutely love this one. I am just blown away in particular by Bill Skarsgård's portrayal of Pennywise. I think it's personally probably my favorite horror performance. Um, I just think that he's absolutely like insane and incredible and the shit he does with (laughs) his face in general. And yeah and he like actually does that like the eye turning and stuff is like was him. It wasn't Mm -hmm. like an effect. So I think that's crazy. I I love Pennywise as a monster because I think the scary clown thing has been done, obviously, like, so many people are afraid of clowns. Um, (laughs) Even, I used to go to uh, the Hot Scary Farm, (laughs) uh, like, (sighs) Halloween nights, and they always had a clown maze. Like, it's a very... It's a very common fear, and I think we've seen, like, scary clowns before, but the way that they designed Pennywise in this film is genuinely terrifying. And I'm not even afraid of clowns in real life. Right. <laughs> but if oh, I, I saw him, I would... I would, if, I would turn the other way if I saw him in a dark alley. I, my Absolutely. skin would just melt off yeah. of my body. I would be... So well, scared. I mean, and it's... They had, they had a tough act to follow because the original miniseries is very beloved. Mm-hmm. Um, it's when you, when you visit it, you talk about effects that did uh that didn't age well but um tim curry's performance is iconic in the horror world mm-hmm. um and his performance as pennywise and his look 
the costume and makeup and everything is so iconic mm-hmm. that they had they had to nail it. They really had to nail it, and yeah. I think they totally did. That he has such Bill Skarsgård has such a look in this movie um, uh, that it you can both can exist mm-hmm. the original miniseries and the new movies. Um, and yeah, dude, he is frightening. Oh, he's not only is he incredible, I also really love the casting of this series in general. Incredible. Um, the children in the franchise, they have such great chemistry. Incredible. Um, and it's actually like, it's genuinely very funny too at times. Oh, yeah. Um, I Gazebos. Think... <laughs> yes. The Gazebos line. This definitely it. works as a great coming-of-age film as Mm -hmm. well as a horror movie. Um, And I just think the fact that, like, I love the narrative. I love the characters. I love their chemistry. I think that usually when I watch a horror movie, because I'm hard to scare, I'm very much rooting for the scares. Whereas in It, I'm rooting for the characters themselves. Mm -hmm. And I, I, as a viewer, don't usually do that. Um, Yeah. That was very well done. Stephen King is, a lot of his stories are coming of age stories set in these like extreme circumstances. And it is no exception. I mean, it's all about these like kids finding each other because they're like considered losers or whatever. Mm -hmm. And now they have this actual problem of like this demon clown that like manifests itself every what, 27 years. Uh, and and eats children which that's another thing too is that like this is like the highest grossing movie or horror movie of all time i think i wrote that down i think yeah i think it's the highest grossing uh horror movie for sure i mean it made so much money but it was also a big blockbuster studio movie that was rated r and it was not afraid to eat kids like they (laughs) really if i have one thing for this movie it's appreciation that they that they went for it Mm -hmm. and that they like also the cast like here's some people that you know from stranger things and like here's like this young cast that you love already whatever and we're gonna put them through hell and we're gonna show it like they Mm -hmm. had some crazy shit in these movies Oh, absolutely i also love that uh in the second movie they cast bill Hader. Uh, and brought him in. And if you guys... Perfect casting. If you guys have the time, I highly encourage you to look up uh, Bill Hader's uh, Andy Muschietti impression and also the photos of him on set with Pennywise. Because so uh, they're truly funny. I think he's just a fantastic actor in general. Oh, Bill Hader's like one of the best actors. I oh, think he is so, so good. Great. He's so great. So I love that <clears throat> they put him in something that's different from what we've seen him in. He's usually yeah. in comedy. Again, comedy going it, into the horror franchise. <laughs> it all makes sense. Speaking of horror and comedy, like it's an epic of a movie. Mm-hmm. And so you have time to have like very funny scenes, which only kind of sets up the scares even more because you're laughing so you're caught off guard but like you get to care about these characters because they're funny and you love their chemistry but yeah. because the movies are so big um they can cover all all these genres of like you know it's it can be funny this moment and the next moment we're gonna tear a little kid to pieces yeah uh, there's definitely a lot of harsh uh 
themes in this movie. Yeah. In in both of these movies, uh, there's, I mean, obviously there's like body shaming, but there's also homophobia and uh, uh, domestic violence. Yeah, mm-hmm. and sexual abuse, uh, things like that. Um, I saw a Variety interview that the director did where he says that um, the sequel is, sorry, I'm going to pull up my thing. Yeah, please. The sequel is about childhood trauma and the consequences of suppressing that. Mm -hmm. Um, He also talked about the opening scene of the second movie, which if you guys haven't seen it, it's extremely rough. Uh, Very, very brutal scene, um, which I mean, to put it lightly, is about homophobia. Um, It's a hate crime. It's a hate crime. It's very difficult to watch, but he was asked he was asked why he decided to include it. And he said that um, not only was it in the book, but it's one of the scenes from the book that he decided to include because as difficult as it is to watch a hate crime, it's important that we show that there is a cycle going on throughout our society where we will think that we are past some of our old hatreds and then they end up reemerging just like Pennywise the clown does. He reemerges mm-hmm. every 27 years. Um, so even when you think that you're past something and it's over and done with, it's always kind of still lurking there at the surface, um, which I thought was a great analysis and a great incredible, yeah. Um, to include that. Also, speaking of hor- of opening scenes, the opening scene in the first movie is just it's a modern classic, insane. truly. <laughs> Absolutely, the scene where. Uh, we f- are first introduced to Pennywise in the sewer is just... Oh, my goodness. Would insane. you... Let me ask you this. Uh, would you ever talk to a clown in a sewer when you were that age? Oh, absolutely not. I was <laughs> such... I was such a scaredy cat. And, like, yeah, the whole time... I, I believe that there are some children who might, who are sure. maybe, like, brave and optimistic. Yeah. Me? Hell no. No. See, I was I was too afraid of Chucky as a kid. That was like the one thing <laughs> I was afraid of. Uh, so I just learned from Chucky just not to trust anything. So uh, yeah. yeah, I don't think I would either. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that scene is incredible. And also the score, again, so good. Mm-hmm. But um, but yeah, I mean, like to go back to the whole like, um, like the real horrors of the movie, like I think that's when horror, the horror genre works best is that like it plays on real human horror. And you can have these extreme horror movie uh, synopsises, like um, scenarios, but they're all big metaphors for human, uh, human real life, like horror. Yeah. Um, and I think that's what this movie is. Absolutely. But, yeah. uh, oh man, just, uh, I try to think of like, well, what the hell would I do if Pennywise was real <laughs> and he showed up in my town and started eating all my friends? Yeah. I, I just never, love how I, I would never shower again. Like, no, that's the, for sure. The no, 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 no. With, the scene with the scene with I don't know why I'm blanking on her name, but the scene with her in the bathroom, uh, with like the blood shooting out of the oh sink. My God. I'm just like, well, I'll never, Dude, never go into the restroom again ever. I, I mean, <laughs> that scene in the original miniseries is so much more tame, mm-hmm. and so when they went for that in the new one i was like oh my god this scene is so bloody oh god uh dude they yeah they they really went for it a lot of blood in this uh this Mm -hmm. movie and the sequel 
Yes, Holy this shit. is this is a grown-up horror movie about children. <laughs> exactly, that's perfectly put. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, it's and I'm just so happy it like dominated the box office because it horror horror has always been here. It's always followed uh, what's happened in real life, and mm-hmm. you know I think this movie is a great example of like hitting on well, and the fact that it was written back when it was and it's still relevant with a lot of its yeah. themes. Um, yeah, I think it's great. Before we introduce our last movie, that kind of brings up an interesting point, uh, kind of what you just said. I feel like horror movies kind of go through phases depending on what's happening in real life. Um, so for example, like the kind of the rise of technology in the digital era kind of corresponded with the rise of like the found footage genre. Mm-hmm. Um, I think like monster movies were a little bit more prevalent, like back in the day, like it was a little like right. more classic because to them like, oh, everything is perfect. So it has to like, it has, our society it has to be so extreme. Yeah, yeah, so it has to be an outside uh, influence coming in. Yes. Um, even, even like um, the rise of, uh, well-known serial killers so like the 70s mm-hmm. and 80s when these serial killers you know Ted Bunny or whatever these real life monsters were actually doing that that's why you saw the slasher mm-hmm. genre boom because that was what was scary because mm-hmm. that could really happen kind of thing um, I feel like now because and this hasn't not even because of uh, quarantine and all of that but I just think in recent years while people have been staying home more, we can get more things delivered. Uh, um, more home invasion thrillers. Yeah, exactly. I think we've seen the rise of like home invasion horror, like yeah. Us. Um, oh, or, so oh shoot, what is the one where she's, she's like deaf and... Yeah, Hush. Yeah, Hush. Yeah, sorry. I didn't yes. know that's what you were saying. Mike, no, no. Hush, you. Hush. No, uh, Mike Flanagan, speaking of Haunting of Hill House, so good. Um, but yeah, hush. Yeah, exactly. Home invasion. Uh, that's actually one of my favorite subgenres too, because that's the thing that scares me the most is someone being in my house when they're not supposed mm-hmm. to be. Absolutely. I have nightmares about it all the time. Uh, so yeah, I, I just know for a fact, we're going to see a huge increase in those movies and I'm going to watch them before mm-hmm. I go to sleep. Cause that's what I do to myself. Um, <laughs> and I will have nightmares. Do you think maybe this is too dark? If it is, I'll cut it. Out. But do you do you think uh, do you think we're going to see a rise in uh, kind of like contagion style or like virus yes. type of horror movies in the next few years? Absolutely. Uh, I already know movies that are like being made about it. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, for sure. Uh, again, it's no it's no secret that like horror movies reflect societal fears. Mm-hmm. We have seen it forever and there's no bigger societal fear right now than what's going on Mm -hmm. and however these movies uh present themselves they'll for sure be like a a metaphor for what we have gone through or what we're going through yeah and uh we'll see how it goes look forward to that you guys (laughs) yeah i have already watched a zoom horror movie Uh uh it's called host and I do highly recommend it. Uh, it was shot and made in quarantine. Um, you can find it on shutter, the streaming platform for horror. And it is a horror movie that takes place completely over zoom. Mm -hmm. They do a zoom seance. Things don't go well. Uh, but it was just very interesting how, uh, we're still able to make content while in quarantine, Mm -hmm. but, uh, the movie was 
it was tight. It was scary. That was like one of the best scares I had seen in a long time in that. Oh, great. So already we're seeing, I, we all knew that we were going to start seeing Zoom horror movies or Zoom movies mm-hmm. uh, or quarantine related stuff. But uh, yeah, I'm happy. I'm happy that from what I've seen so far, um, mm-hmm. these Zoom horror movies. So interesting. Oh my God. Do you remember the movie Unfriended? Dude, I love Unfriended. <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> Tell me why I love that movie so much. I really I never do. I never saw it in full, but I did see clips and I remember the trailer making it look so dumb. And it probably it, is not as dumb as it made it seem. But it's it's you know it is. <laughs> it, it's it's a funny movie, but I actually love that movie because I can only imagine what went into it to make it look the way it was, which mm-hmm. is like it's supposed to look like it's on a computer screen. Um, and God, that must have been so hard. Um, but yeah, I love that movie. It's so ridiculous, <laughs> you, but I kind of do love that movie. If you guys don't know what I'm talking about, it's for some reason that trailer is very nostalgic to me. Guys, just please YouTube search uh, the Unfriended trailer. Yeah. You have like you have to watch it. It's so funny. Um, all right, would you like to introduce our? final movie mr birch told yes absolutely uh this movie is everything that i am it has shaped me into the human being that i am it is my bible and it is scream from 1996 directed by wes craven written by kevin williamson starring nev campbell courtney cox david arquette drew barrymore i this movie i know every word I know the inflection of every line delivery. I know every music cue. This movie I watched as a child. And it is what made me want to be an actor. And it is what solidified me as a horror fan. And it is what made me want to get into the film industry. And I think it is because this movie, it is a commentary on horror movies, but it's also a love letter to all of my other favorite horror movies. Mm -hmm. Like, most of these movies that I that we've referenced uh, are referenced in Scream because yes. it was like one of the first times that the characters in a horror movie were aware of horror movies, where they referenced horror movies, where they say, mm-hmm. well, I know if you say be right back in a horror movie, you die. And so they could play with those rules. And, mm-hmm. and it became this, uh, this incredible satire on uh on horror on the horror genre and even they did that like with the sequel scream 2 it was a commentary on horror sequels and and i just thought that it was so cool and the cast is so awesome matthew lillard Mm -hmm. the performance of his lifetime uh as Stu, and you have ski ulrich like you you have just this electricity like this electric cast uh and nev campbell is like my favorite final girl she's my the love of my life Casey knows this uh (laughs) uh it's just it 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 just captured everything I love about horror Mm -hmm. and then you have Ghostface the iconic you know absolutely it is it is everything it's so basically yeah you have this sleepy town and now teens are turning up dead and they got to figure out who's next and it's crazy shit and it's funny, it's scary. You root for these characters. I swear to God, if they try to kill uh, Sidney Prescott at any point in this franchise, I will riot. Uh, <laughs> it, it's just, 
it is everything I love about horror mm-hmm. wrapped up in a movie. And I love meta. Meta is my favorite. Oh, I absolutely. Things are self-referential. Um, and that is what this movie is mm-hmm. on a horror level. So uh, I could talk about this movie forever. I really could. <laughs> but you have to say something now because I, I'm going to take a sip of water. And- oh, my God. Um, I, I just watched this movie again uh, yesterday to prepare. For the I- first time ever? No, no, no. This was, this was a rewatch. Okay. That's what I thought. (laughs) (laughs) But I wanted to make sure that I was prepared because this is also one of my all time favorites. If not my all time favorites, uh, it might have a slight advantage over Scream for me, but I, I love Scream so much. I saw it for the first time, uh, a couple Halloweens ago and I didn't really know anything about it because it is older. Um, and I was just blown away. I was blown away by uh, the the camp, the so campy the commentary uh, about horror movies. I love the scene. I love the scene where everyone is watching a horror movie while uh, Nev Campbell is losing her virginity. Yeah, and, and they're kind of narrating it along with what's happening. Because they're like, Jamie Kennedy <laughs> boob shot and exactly. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah you have your shirt off. Uh, Jamie Kennedy's character uh, talking about the rules of surviving a horror film mm-hmm. and you know it's you know you can never have sex and then cut to uh, Sydney Prescott and, mm-hmm. and Billy up upstairs so then you're like worried about her and then you know you can never drink or do drugs and you can never say I'll be right back yeah the rules in reference to Sydney I love that they give her a big backstory mm-hmm. she's been through just this horrible trauma with her her mother being killed the year before and yeah. brutally so um and so i love that they're like giving you that sense of like something is happening to her again and so you really want her to make it through and she- is it connected kind of thing mm-hmm. um i love that gail weathers is like the best movie villain even though she's like not the she villain. becomes a protagonist she's <laughs> courtney cox nailed gail weathers it, mm-hmm. that performance is so good and you end up always loving gail weathers and i always she's remember like this, her name too and i have a hard course. time remembering character names <laughs> yeah well she goes it sounds like i'm a, a weather a meteorologist or something <laughs> i'm like that's funny um but this this movie also did something incredible where uh a spoiler alert with Drew Barrymore. Mm-hmm. The opening scene is so iconic as well, and it's solidified in the horror hall of fame of like one of the best like opening scenes in a horror movie. Yeah, I, um, I wrote that down. Drew I Barrymore. Think it, I think it yeah. might be the most iconic opening scene to any horror movie, and it's been spoofed like a thousand times. It's like the quintessential yeah. horror opening. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And just the fact that you have Drew Barrymore, who's this massive star at the time and and you think she's the biggest on the poster you think you know she is the lead of this movie it's just oh they just they nailed everything it was yeah. perfect it was perfect and then uh, hard cut to her not even being in like the rest of the film right it's just <laughs> god i'm trying not to like spoil anything because i would never want to ruin this movie for anyone but like it's I, I think everyone knows about that but uh the the whole meta thing too uh west craven tried out before scream in Wes Craven's New Nightmare, which was a reboot of the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise that he created, where Freddy Krueger 
had become more than just a character. And so everyone in the movie were the actors of the original film uh, playing themselves. So Wes Craven is in the movie as himself, as the director, but now they are all being killed off by this reality Freddy Krueger that basically was spawned from like these movies. And it was like a big commentary on like, oh, you know, like how we create these monsters in the movies, but like, what if they were in real life? And like, uh, and so that, I love that movie too. And that was like very meta. And so then he just like doubled down with Scream and was like, let's just do a horror movie about horror movies. This is who Um, I am now. (laughs) This is who I am now. And I was like, thank you. Um, But this movie, again, it was one of the highest grossing movies, uh, horror movies of all time. Um, And it came out on Christmas and bombed at the box office for the first two weeks. And then it started to get picked up and became what it is now. And Mm -hmm. uh, God, I love it so much. If you guys are looking for something to do on Halloween, watch this movie or any of the other movies we talked about, right. but especially this movie. Is this great. one, it's, yeah, it's it's the top of the top. And also, if you're a horror fan, then it's a must. But uh, I have uh, a friend right now who I'm introducing to horror. And so mm-hmm. I'm get, every week I'm get, we're giving her um, like a new horror movie to watch. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want to start off with Scream because I wanted her to watch some of these movies that yeah. – uh, are referenced in scream so that way when she watches scream she totally gets an understanding of like oh yeah like uh these characters know horror movies like i know horror movies now um and and it is it's that perfect like love letter to horror i think yeah i i think wes craven is a big part of that i i found this great interview with him from 1996 um where he's talking about the film and he was pretty much talking about why he thinks uh, horror is so important and why it's also like, why it's considered to be kind of like a teen genre. Mm. And I mean, as you've seen with the list that we've gone through, a lot of these films revolve around teenagers. Um, And I think he said something that was really great. He said that watching horror is a way for us to get out the fears that we've internalized Mm -hmm. Um, and that teenagers need a place for those things to be brought out. And he said, in a way, watching horror is a kind of an exorcism. Yes, I love that interview. Um, And it's so true. I mean, there's nothing more horrifying than being a teenager. Am I right? Uh, And so I think that's that's why you see, I think that's why the cast of horror movies is always teenagers. It's, again, it's always coming of age, and it's always scary. Um, this movie is my everything. I love it. I had Casey dress up as Drew Barrymore, Casey Becker, and we did like a photo shoot one time. Uh, incredible. (laughs) There's also a bit of a twist ending, which I won't reveal in any way. Dude, if you're going to watch this movie, yeah, this, that was also the first time too, that they did that type of kill, like, I don't want to say it out loud. It's so hard. <laughs> oh my god! I saw. That I remember style of twist. Yes, I we saw an unauthorized musical parody of Scream once, mm-hmm. and before they got to the twist, they asked the audience who has not seen this movie, and one person raised their hand, and they were like, "Okay, we're not doing it then. We cannot spoil it for you." And what they did was they had the actor playing Matthew Lillard's character of Stu just do all of his lines because if there's one reason you're going to watch this movie, it's for Matthew Lillard's performance and all of his lines. Uh, <laughs> and they just had him like 
do all of his lines for the rest of the movie uh, cuz they're so good um but i was just like yeah never never spoil the the twist of this movie <laughs> dude that's so i'm so jealous i want to see a musical of scream dude it was so good they have like they sung the songs that are like playing in the background of the scenes in the movie and uh-huh. and it was it was funny it was really funny and really good it's at the rockwell years ago um oh, i'm so jealous that's dude, amazing incredible but yeah uh, rest in peace Wes craven um yes one of the best uh directors of our time horror icon legend the day he passed away people texted me with condolences like saying i'm so sorry for your loss oh I was my like, god that's very uh, sweet yeah yeah he he shaped me as a kid um and this movie is forever my favorite and now we are place, now uh... we are getting a uh, scream five so we'll see how this goes but yeah. <laughs> have you seen any of the well i'm assuming you've seen all of the sequels of course uh, i have not seen any of them because i kind of liked it so much that i wanted to keep it just like where it was for makes me. sense makes sense um yeah like i said uh scream two is a commentary on horror sequels and then scream three is a commentary on horror trilogies scream four did i say three scream four is a commentary on horror reboots so i'm curious to see what scream five is going to do and how they're going to keep it fresh and not just do the same thing because <laughs> it's a sequel to a reboot right yeah. or is it another reboot no, of a reboot <laughs> it's all the same the core cast comes back in every single movie and i'm so happy that they're bringing the core cast back again and the directors helming it are the ones who did ready or not which i really loved so i'm Mm -hmm. very excited to see how it comes comes out but um yeah scream forever (laughs) maybe i'll have you back on after that one comes on and we'll just dissect the whole scream franchise sounds like a plan to me (laughs) um thank you so much for doing this i this was really really fun thank you so much for having me and yeah any opportunity where i can just talk and talk and talk about my favorite horror movies i'm gonna take it uh because it's all i do anyway (laughs) oh Um, i'm sure if i had left you to your own devices we would have been here for like four hours i would have had to have like apologized (laughs) (laughs) tell me to shut up um but thank you so much for having me on here this was super fun yeah no problem um if you guys want to check out uh johnny's work please go follow him on twitter and tiktok and even instagram i will put all of his stuff linked in the description box because um, he's very, very funny and he deserves some follows. So Thank you so much. Oh my goodness. And um, happy Halloween to everyone. Yes. I hope you guys are having a very safe Halloween. Uh, I don't know what your alternatives are to, to partying this year, but I hope that you're finding some way to celebrate our most holy of holidays. Oh yes. Halloween is never dead. And it was Honestly. never canceled. Um, I feel like this went really, really well. Me too. This was so fun. All right. Love well, it. thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs>